0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm
1: Sandra Smith. I'm Trey Gowdy. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. Who impresses, who fails to make the case, and who has the best zinger? The first Republican presidential debate in the 2024 contest is tonight on Fox News.
2: In a primary, where you've got multiple candidates up there, you've got to go out and make your value proposition early on, capture the attention of the voters. And hold it as long as you can throughout the debate.
3: I'm Chris Foster. Eight candidates make the stage for tonight's first Republican presidential primary debate.
2: I
4: don't think all eight people emerge in the same status that they have walking in. Frankly, I think it's like what they say about Iowa. I think there might be only four, at most four tickets coming off this stage.
0: And I'm Tommy Lahren. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown.
1: The first 2024 presidential debate is tonight on Fox News, the first one with multiple Republican candidates since 2016.
4: You know, most of the people on this stage I've given to, just so you understand, a lot of money.
1: Not me. Not me. (laughs) But you're welcome to give me a check, Donald. Former President Trump, who is running again, is skipping the debates, and while he dominates Republican primary polling, a recent poll had him nationally with 62 percent, former speechwriter for President George W. Bush, Mark Thiessen noted to Fox News this week, there are other polls in the first states to hold nominating contests.
3: Yeah. Well, if you look at the uh, poll, 40, Trump is way ahead with 42 percent. But if you, the other way to look at that is that 58 percent of Republicans in Iowa want somebody else.
1: So ahead of the first debate, who might that someone else end up being? Fox's Martha McCallum, one of the debate moderators, held a panel discussion with six voters from across the country in Milwaukee this week. All but one said they were open to someone other than former President Trump. Nothing against Donald Trump. I would support him if he were elected as the main candidate. but I, I'm interested in others. Many nodded after this voter spoke about his family's rising grocery bill. I'm just looking for people to talk about their plan for the economy. Um, no matter how much Joe Biden and the Democrats try to spin it, the economy isn't working. The only other specific candidate named other than Trump that came up during the brief discussion was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis.
3: Very competent government. That's what I'm voting for is competent government. And of all the people on stage, and Trump is not on stage, but he's the one most competent out of everyone.
1: McCallum asked one voter if they'd still vote for former President Trump if he were convicted in one of the many indictments he's facing it doesn't it wouldn't really impact my, my my thinking at all I think as as a party I don't want to shoot with inside my own tent so whoever is our main
4: uh, candidate in charge that's who I will be going for the
1: debate's happening in the notable swing state of Wisconsin and one of the state's former governors has this advice for the candidates
2: be yourself but be bold
1: former Republican Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker was on the debate stage in 2016 as a candidate and is the founder of young America's foundation
2: a uh, bold and believable That's the key. I think one of the big mistakes I made, having been on the debate stage eight years ago, standing right next to Donald Trump at that first presidential debate in Cleveland back then, was I listened to all these consultants from Washington tell me to do this, to do that, uh, to be structured, instead of just being as bold and aggressive as I had been. In all the prior elections I was involved with, so don't listen to D.C. consultants. Be yourself. But the other thing to remember, uh, particularly for Governor DeSantis, but I think for any of the other candidates, is your record's not enough. You know, your record, as good as it is, and his—he's mm. got a great record in Florida. I had a good one in Wisconsin. But that gets you on the stage. You've got to then take the next step and show voters you're going to be as bold or bolder if given the chance to be president.
1: You just said something interesting about not listening to the DC consultants. Do you think, and you can be candid now, right? Because you're not running. Yeah. <laughs> do you think all of them have the DC consultants? I know Chris Christie likes to say, "Well, I've done this before, and I'm, you know, I'm very good at this." And everyone else should be petrified if I'm nervous. Um, do you think somebody like him has a lot of DC consultants?
2: He, he probably doesn't have as much because Chris is just that way. I, I, you know, most of these mm-hmm. people are friends of mine as well. The biggest thing is whether it's your first time or you've run before is, again, you're gonna have all these people telling you what to do. And it doesn't mean you completely disregard it, but you can't be programmed, you can't be packaged, you can't have concise, memorized answers. You gotta go out there and be who you are. Believability is a big deal with voters, particularly found with young young voters. It's one of the things we picked up at Young America's Foundation, is authenticity with the young people we work with. They like authenticity and fairness. And so uh, these candidates need to be believable, but they need to be bold. Unlike a traditional debate where you're head to head with your opponent, it's not enough to just do a competent job to pass you know through the All debate right. without making a mistake and a primary where you've got multiple candidates up there, you've got to go out and make your value proposition early on capture the attention of the voters and hold it as long as you can throughout the debate
1: so What's exciting about mm-hmm. talking to you on this day is not just that you were on the debate stage, but you were the governor of Wisconsin. And I think other than maybe Pennsylvania, voters in Wisconsin may be among the most coveted. Um, you currently have a Republican legislature, Democratic governor. And I know historically um, the Democratic you know, candidate for president seems to win in the state, but it's, it's really typically by a hair. And Donald mm-hmm. Trump did win in 2016. So given all of that, what do you think voters in Wisconsin want to hear tonight?
2: Well, they want to hear about the economy. I was just filling up my pump uh, on my Chevy Traverse the other day at Quick Trip. Uh, which is a, a common uh, convenience store and, and uh, gas station line here in Wisconsin. and It was almost $4 a gallon. I, I think there's a lot of folks in Wisconsin who are worried about the economy, not just from an economic terms, in real terms. How much does it take to fill up the tank of my car? How much does it take to fill up my grocery cart to pay for my mortgage or to pay for my rent? Uh, those are top of mind issues right now for people, whether they're Republican or Democrat or somewhere in between. And so I think there'll be a lot of people tuning in, particularly because the debates in Milwaukee, in Wisconsin, there's going to be a lot of Wisconsin voters beyond just the primary voters who are tuning in to see if any of those candidates can actually speak to their concerns.
1: One of the other things that tops polls after inflation and economy, as you know, is sort of this generic direction of the country. Mm -hmm. And I I wonder if that is sort of almost like um, a subtitle, of worrying about the economy. Like you don't just worry about filling up your gas today, but if you're worried about the direction of your of the country, are you also worried about how much it's gonna be for your kids to fill up? Like is right. that what direction of the country means? And and what does a candidate say at a debate to address that? I mean, you have to be almost not just quick on your feet, but you have to come up with like the thirty second sound bite kind of. Right.
2: Well, and you've got to have a plan, uh, not just a soundbite, but what's believable and memorable. That's the other part. You've only got a select amount of time. There's multiple candidates. You've got this window of opportunity to let people know that if they elect you, not only is their pocketbook going to be better, is their, their family budget going to be better, but their future for their kids and not even just their kids. I think the direction of the country, it's not just something that families and seniors and retirees care about. We found in a poll that Young America's Foundation just released that young people think, The country's heading the wrong direction, that their big concern is the economy. So it's more than just what does it cost for groceries today. It's like you said, will my children have a better future? Will they be able to buy a home? I've got a son and a daughter-in-law who just got married a few weeks ago they've been looking at houses, boy, interest rates are yeah. unbelievable. If they can even find a house that they can afford and be able to put a down payment on. These are all things that are about the direction of the country. Then you add to that, you know, questions like you know, what's happening in our schools? Are mm-hmm. is there chaos out there? Are they getting rid of AP classes? Are they treating one set of kids differently than the others based on their race? Are they you know, just all sorts of things out there that I think play into this overall feeling as to whether that the country is heading in the right direction. We saw a massive switch back when I was a kid from the Jimmy Carter years when things were very much like the way they are today under Joe Biden to Ronald Reagan coming in. It didn't happen all at once, but I think the sense that Ronald Reagan and a part of it was in these early debates articulating where he was going to go, where he was going to take this country, not just on policy, but where he was going to take America. And in the end, remember his reelection campaign was it's morning in America again because people felt better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, about tonight, that, you know, Trump won't be on the stage, as we know. And, of course, he he dominates the polls, right? And that's the main reason he says he's skipping the debates. But how much of this do you think might be about him, either a retrospective or even looking ahead at what another Trump presidency would be, especially with people like Mike Pence and Chris Christie on the stage, who have already made large parts of their campaign about Trump?
2: Well, if you're one of those folks, you want to say, if you like the policies, I'm your person without all the chaos. That, to me, would be uh, their best pivot or their best argument. Uh, I think, actually, as an aside, I think it's a mistake that President Trump's not at the debate or any of the debates, as he's articulated going forward, because I stood next to him in that first debate in Cleveland. I was uh, one over from him at the Reagan Library in the second debate, as this one will be a month from now. I saw how he took charge, he just totally bulldozed everybody over, took charge, ran over the moderators, really commanded the attention of the American voter at that point, and how that led to his victory in 2016. I think it's valuable for him to do that now for a variety of reasons, overall, not just with the primary, he could lock things up if he had that kind of command performance uh, the next couple of debates, but also, you mentioned Wisconsin. You know, Hillary Clinton lost the primary in 2016 uh, to Bernie Sanders and never came back that was a critical mistake as she lost the state by 23,000 votes To Donald Trump. I think voters particularly in the Midwest specifically in Wisconsin They want to hear from the candidate, so he loses an opportunity to be here in Wisconsin The other key element is again. I work with young people at young Americans foundation the the kicker there is that you know new voters People will be eligible to vote next year's election. Uh, eight years ago, were nine, ten, eleven, twelve 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. They weren't ah. paying attention to the presidential uh, debates. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things they'd love to hear from. So I think not only would it be wise for Donald Trump to be there, my hope is if he ultimately is not at these debates, that the moderators don't spend all of their time talking about him or things revolving him with indictments and otherwise. Yeah, you got to spend a moment or two But most of the rest of these debates uh, time should be focused on the issues that people care about. Not only the economy, public safety is chaotic in most of our large urban areas in America. The borders out of control, not just in border states, but heck in Wisconsin. You know, we see kids dying from fentanyl exposure all the time. That's because of drugs coming over the southern border. There's just all sorts of issues out there. that The American people and and people in my state want to hear from.
1: Okay, finally, Governor, who has the most work to do tonight? Is it? DeSantis, who's far behind Trump, but still consistently in second place in polling, is it somebody like Vivek Ramaswamy, relatively unknown guy, but who's climbing, or, or people like Nikki Haley and Tim Scott, who maybe have the bona fides and compelling stories, but just aren't there yet?
2: yeah I think the the most at risk is Governor DeSantis, just because he had such high expectations he needs mm. to live up to that and have a breakthrough moment or two in this debate for him to continue to be viewed as the primary alternative to President Trump or at least the top of the polls. Uh, I think Vivek's already been having that moment, so that could solidify that, uh, but he 's already kind of there. I look at particularly uh, Tim Scott I, I think you know certainly Nikki Haley, Mike Pence need to have those sorts of moments too. But I look particularly at Senator Scott. I think at the RNC convention a few years ago, I, I arguably believe he gave the best speech of all the people when he talked about his story of going from a corn picking cotton uh, to, to the Congress. He told his narrative. He made the connection. So far, he's been unique uh, in the sense that he's systematically going through campaigning, but he's really not attacking President Trump. And I've said months ago, To me, I think it's a waste of time if you're one of the other candidates to attack Donald Trump. Uh, The only person who changes your opinion as a voter about Donald Trump is Donald Trump himself, (laughs) good or or bad. Uh, Nobody else is going to change it. So the best use of time for these candidates is to tell their story and then be bold. And so if Senator Scott does that, I, I think potentially he could have the most to gain if he had a breakthrough moment. Who knows? Maybe one of the others will surprise me. Former
1: Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin and founder of the Young America's Foundation. Thank you so much for joining
2: us. Thank you.
5: from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter, and I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxnewsPodcasts.com.
0: This is Tommy Laren with your Fox News commentary coming up.
3: After months of campaigning and fundraising, eight Republicans qualify for tonight's Republican debate in Milwaukee, hosted by Fox Based on polling numbers, having enough donors, and agreeing to sign a pledge to support the eventual nominee. In alphabetical order, North Dakota Governor and Entrepreneur Doug Burgum. We could use an entrepreneur in the White House. We could use a problem solver. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie.
5: I say that telling the truth is what matters the most in this race. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. We are
4: sending Joe Biden back to his basement and reversing the decline of our country.
3: Former South Carolina Governor and U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley.
0: I love debates, and I'm looking forward to it.
3: Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson.
4: People want to see a real debate between the candidates in the sense of what's the contrast? You know, how do we differ between each other? But also, how are we going to make our case to Joseph Biden?
3: Former Vice President Mike Pence. If you gave us the privilege be your president, We will know what to do and who to do it with on day one, and we will turn this country around. Entrepreneur and conservative activist Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm looking forward to introducing myself to the people. And South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. I think people are excited about an
5: optimistic, positive message anchored in conservatism, as long as you have a backbone.
3: They range in nationwide polling support from, on average about half a percent to about 15 percent, all far behind former President Trump.
4: I think that tonight's debate is going to be really important for the Republican nomination contest. Fox News Decision Desk Director Arnold Mishkin. I think to a certain extent, Donald Trump's decision to not participate in the debate creates a tremendous opportunity for these eight uh, candidates to become the alternative to Donald Trump. This is basically the the eight teams. It's the quarterfinals of the um, March Madness. We're waiting to see who's going to be the real um, alternative to Donald Trump. Um, And I think that this debate tonight could mark the, the opportunity for candidates to either make a difference and become sort of the last person standing in the contest to sort of be the nominee versus Donald Trump. Or it could represent a huge risk for some people who look like they're doing really well right now or kind of well to sort of make a glitch and and fall from the stage um, figuratively. Mm -hmm. This could be really important tonight. Um, I don't think all eight people emerge in the same status that they have walking in. Frankly, I think it's like what they say about Iowa. I think there might be only four, at most four tickets coming off this stage of people that are recognized as real alternatives. And that's a really important thing, I think, in terms of the race. And I think the strategy these guys should employ tonight is I want to be seen as the best alternative to to a Donald Trump nomination. And I think we'll see what happens.
3: I mean, there's a bunch of tightrobes these people have to walk. One is how much do you support Donald Trump or not? So as to, you know, not turn off the supporters of his that you may want in your corner at some point, somebody like Chris Christie doesn't seem to care about that at all. Um, You also have to figure out how much you're going to attack each other versus attacking Joe Biden and how much you want to appeal to the Republican base versus independents who are going to be tuning in.
4: That's right. They all have to walk a tightrope. I think the two people who are, are going to be at the center of the stage tonight, um, Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy, um, I think have the most difficult job because I think they're seen right now as number one and two alternatives to Trump. And so the objective of all these other candidates is if Trump falters, I don't want them to their, his supporters to go to uh, DeSantis or Ramaswamy. Um, I want them to be up for grabs. So they, I think, are gonna be the targets of all these people to sort of say, you guys are not the real alternative. I'm the real alternative or the better alternative to Trump. And I think that's what we're going to see. And I think that's what the two of them need to be prepared for. In a funny kind of way, even though Ramaswamy is seen as weaker, I think he's going to be an easier target for many of these people, or they're going to perceive him to be easier because he's made a few glitches recently on foreign policy and other things. People like Nikki Haley are going to think, I can take that person out and I'm going to do it. And then I think you have the sort of the other sort of candidates who are sort of I think very much vying for the nomination: um, Pence, Scott, and I include Nikki Haley on this group in terms of trying to sort of present themselves as the true Republican, the best Republican alternative to Trump. Um, my sense is that um, if I were Mike Pence, the song I'd be singing in my head is Janis Joplin: "Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose." He has not gotten any real traction, but he has true traction because he's the former vice president. He's disliked by many people in the Republican Party because of how his relationship with Trump ended. Um, And I think, you know, he's not going to be able to change that history. So he needs to show that I am the true Republican here. I am the true evangelical on this stage here. I am the person who is most um, convinced of the importance of of fighting for um, against Uh, the sort of freedom of abortion um, here. Um, And I think, and and he is going to be trying to pretend, to say he's the the strongest on defense and the like. I think this may represent his real last chance to sort of redeem himself in the eyes of many Republican voters who have still not forgiven him for the end of the Trump administration. Chris Christie is going to be a really interesting uh, thing because to a certain extent, you know, his whole campaign has been, I'm the Republican willing to attack Donald Trump. And um, uh, Chris Christie sounds like an MSNBC anchor. Uh, the way he talks about uh, Donald Trump, he's willing to say all the different stuff that the most rabid Democrat is willing to say about Donald Trump. And the question is, Donald Trump's not going to be there, so yeah, he's going to say Donald Trump doesn't have the guts to face up to me. But if you're attacking someone who's not there, what are you doing? So well, that's the thing. I'm mean, surprised yeah. to see if he, he you know. Uh, aims his sort of attacks uh, on some of the, the two sort of semi-front runners in the Ulceran field, which is DeSantis and Ramaswamy.
3: Yeah, it seems uh, like he might have to. Otherwise, I mean, I'm sure he'll try to get in, you know, his zinger or two about Trump. But at some point, don't you risk looking like a man shaking your fist at a cloud if you're just, if you spend all of your time talking about somebody who's not there?
4: Exactly. That's a great way to put it, I think. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how um DeSantis or ramaswamy respond to that assuming that that thing um comes through um because um i've seen the debate that ron DeSantis had in 2022 and in when, when he was running against someone who he knew he was going to beat um uh congressman former governor chris of florida and It seemed like he needed a little more batting practice. And so and I think that everything we've seen on Ron DeSantis on the campaign trail suggests he still needs some batting practice. So it's going to be interesting to see how he responds, because I think he is going to be a target. I think he knows he's going to be a target. And I assume that they've given him uh, some bit of sparring practice beforehand. But I wouldn't be surprised to see um, Chris Christie aim his considerable mortar. Um, in DeSantis or certainly Ramaswamy's direction.
3: Governor DeSantis, his his poll numbers have in the past, whatever it is, five ish months, almost essentially been cut in half. I mean, he was going to be the anointed one if there was no Donald Trump to now maybe not just another guy in
4: the race, but he's but he's getting there you're absolutely right you know dis, the arc of DeSantis's campaign to date his candidacy to date sort of shows what the strategy of all these people are doing because back in 22 and when he was obviously winning in a big way in in florida he was seen as the perfect alternative to donald trump and and i think a lot of republicans and particularly republican donors and republican voters who were either skeptical of trump or anti-trump thought this is, a, this, is a, this is the guy, he can win some of the Trump base and he can um, sort of expand his wings to embrace the entire party. But it was a name and it was a poster. Um, now that he's on the campaign trail, people realize there's three dimensions to this. And a lot of people haven't been totally pleased with many of the positions he's taken. And a lot of people think he doesn't have the swagger or whatever it is, the gift uh, that a presidential candidate needs to have in order to sort of win the um, embrace of a party
3: on either end of the stage tonight. Um, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum and former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, um, the people that I guess you, you, the closest to not making the stage tonight, is why they're positioned that way. Um, do you they're just sort
4: of the wild card team in this? In this yeah, quarter I mean,
3: do you um, just yeah. do you, if you're if you're those guys typically do you just throw Hail Marys and, or, or hope you even get enough time to talk?
4: I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think that's a real opportunity. I think that in the case of either one of those people, I, I'd definitely pre- be prepared with a few Hail Marys. I'd also, you know, there is there is an argument that if everyone is fighting each other, there's an opportunity to be the sane, stable one in the middle. And so both Bergam and Hutchinson are classic Republican um pro-life, um, pro-limited government, pro-defense kind of uh, players. Um, and I think that that's an opportunity to sort of say, hey, guys, I'm here. I am exactly what you've always been looking for. And um, and while these guys are making, you know, getting into snitty fights between each other, here am I, I still, uh, and I represent a a a solid thing for you to consider. And and so I think that may be their opportunity to sort of stand out from the crowd by being the most plain vanilla.
3: The elephant not in the room, Donald Trump, it, it, he j- even joked that, you know, I might watch the debate to see who I might pick as a vice president. Is there a real chance here, barring some sort of real disqualification, that somebody on this stage could be a viable opponent for Donald Trump in the next couple of weeks, couple months, few months?
4: Oh, absolutely. I think we are going to I mean. The, look, Donald Trump is clearly the front runner. He is clearly favored to be the nominee based on everything we know right now. But there is a lot, you know, several months before Iowa first votes, Iowa needs to make a decision in terms of who wins that caucus. New Hampshire needs to make a decision in terms of who wins that primary. Um, and the way that Republican voters seem to shake out right now, Donald Trump, I think, has a solid base that represents 35 to 40%, somewhere around that, um, of the party, that's not a majority. So if he's facing a crowded field, that's a real advantage. If on the other hand, you, do it, you get it down to one or two opponents or one or two sort of very serious alternatives, there is a chance that that person could beat Donald Trump. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's the goal. The goal is to say, I am the alternative uh, to Donald Trump, I am the best person on this stage to carry our thing forward and almost ignoring Donald Trump and face off against Donald Trump quite a bit later.
3: Arnon Mishkin is a consultant and a director at the Fox News Decision Desk, a former fellow at the Harvard Institute of Politics. Arnon, thanks. Thank you.
5: Other news.
0: I'm Gian Gelosi. A Massachusetts couple may be forced to bid Arriva to their dream wedding destination in Italy after their beloved golden retriever, Chickie, ate the groom's passport last week. Maybe he, too, has had enough of destination weddings. Donato Fraderoli and Magda Masri of South Boston were scheduled to leave this week to wed on Lake Garda in Northern Italy on August 31st, but it typically takes five to seven weeks to get an expedited passport renewed by the State Department. Chickie, whose name is short for Chicken Cutlet, munched on Fraderoli's passport as the couple was at dinner celebrating the impending nuptials. They filed their marriage intention forms at Boston City Hall earlier that day. Chicky managed to mangle the front pages of the passport with the proof of identification as well as the back pages with the stamp from Mexico where his humans got engaged. If the passport doesn't come in time, Fraderoli is telling guests to enjoy the wedding his bride spent the last eight months planning. Fraderoli's brother, Johnny, says he couldn't just have the wedding in Cape Cod like everyone else. For the Fox News Rundown, I'm Gelosi. hey everyone it's kennedy and you can listen to my podcast kennedy saves the world it's going five days a week on the fox news podcast network we're bringing you all the fan favorites listen on spotify apple foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts
5: subscribe to this podcast at Foxnewspodcasts.com. it's time for your fox news commentary tommy Laren. what's on your mind
0: Do as I say, not as I do. Sadly, that seems to be the sentiment Kid Rock is pushing after he was spotted drinking a Bud Light at a concert. Yeah, Bud Light, the brand he notoriously shot up cases of just a few months ago to protest the brand's partnership with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney. You know, I like Kid Rock, but come on. You can't blast cases of the brand with a submachine gun in April and then by August be caught casually sipping it at a concert. You know, he can drink and do whatever he wants, but dang, it does come off as super disingenuous. If you want to make a big statement you've got to Walk the talk. Kid Rock drinking a Bud Light isn't going to end the boycott, but it just might make a few of his fans turn off the music. So lesson learned here. If you're going to be a hypocrite, Kid Rock, you just can't get caught. I'm Tommy Laren and you can watch my show Tommy Laren is Fearless at Outkick.com. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast, bringing you closer to the story than you ever thought possible. Subscribe at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. These are the stories that keep you up at night.
5: From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
0: Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.